How many feel better in Christ already right now than before you came in and walked in the doors? How many are encouraged to see that his body, his church is alive Amen. and doing well and very happy? And how many know that God's in a good mood? Amen. We should be too, right? <laughs> so, hey, uh, we just want to welcome uh, Catherine and her husband, David. Uh, Catherine was here about seven years ago. And uh, again, a huge influence in our youth group and, and who we were when we were youth pastors here. So we invited her, got to know her on a personal level. She even uh, led worship at a youth camp that we did with the kids. Um, but for the first time last night, we got to meet her husband, David. And she was not married when she came here the last time to Upper Room. Um, and it's just, for me, one of those instant connections. And we're laughing and joking. And I was like, I went straight to like vulnerable, you know, like straight to sharing personal things. And Nicole's like, why'd you do that? I was like, I, I, I don't know. I just like, I'm real. And I felt they were real. So anyway, uh, when you know you have one of those instant friendships, instant connections, that's what we felt last night. And it's a truly an honor and a privilege to have you guys. And I was thinking, I'm like, what am I going to say about this situation? I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a fan, total fan, but also the most important thing is there's such a friend. It's like we wouldn't see each other. We'd maybe do a little messaging here and there, but like instant, boom, it's like, hey friend, what's up? You know, so anyway, when that happens and that's something that the Lord gives us, I feel like you guys as a body get to glean from that as well. And so we just declare that as, as they speak and bring whatever their amazing stuff they're bringing, that you would just receive it like from incredible friends, real, true, vulnerable people. And so we just, uh, we're honored to have you guys. So come on up. Come on, let's get them yes, a welcome. Yes, up a room. Woo. Hello. Can we just give Jesus one more shout of praise just all over this room? Come on. Jesus, straight to you. You're so good and so faithful, Father. My handsome husband, David, are you sure? Do you have anything? Do you? Okay, go for it. Hello, it's so good to be here. I'm not going to try to take up too much time. Uh, I felt something from the Holy Spirit just to encourage. Uh, I felt there's some people here that are having difficulties with some job stuff. I saw some jobs suddenly come to an end for you, and it was very unexpected, and you were kind of shocked, and you're in, a, you're in a season of confusion right now, and you're kind of like, what is happening? And I heard the Lord just say that he's repositioning you for favor and blessing, but also impact in the community and the region. So, Father, I just say right now, peace to those people right now. In the name of Jesus, peace and hope right now. Okay, if you're living in fear and doubt, you're believing a lie. And we just rebuke the lie of the enemy right now. We just thank you that doors are the right doors are opening at the right time. In the name of Jesus. And I just declare hope, hope, hope. And Lord, I thank you that it's not just about blessing. It's not just about a paycheck, but it's about eternal things happening. About people being reached, people being touched. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And it's so good to be here. Yeah. They're not waving back. I mean, it's okay. Good job, a couple of people. Well, who, was that anybody in the room, if you don't mind me ask? Okay, it's you. Any, anybody else over there? Okay, I just, okay, right there. I feel like we need to take this a step further over there as well. Um, do you guys mind standing up? Is that okay? And I, I, if you guys can, let's just kind of gather around just for a second. You don't have to stand up necessarily, the other people. You guys can stand up, but just kind of release your hands towards these people. You know, it says, speak to the mountain, and the mountain has to be moved. So let's just begin to join our faith with each other. And we decree that new jobs are coming. We decree that provision is here, is now. 
We decree the favor of the Lord over your lives. We break off fear of the future. We break off stress and anxiety of the future. We declare that that is not your portion. And we, de- we even decree that this is a no more delay season, that those jobs are here, those jobs are now, in the name of Jesus, not just a job, but the right job. Not just some provision, but all of the provision. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So I don't, have I ever spoke here before? I think I've just sang. So I'm so excited to get to talk to you guys a little bit and share my heart. Like they said, um, you know, Aaron and Nicole are, are like friends, friends to, to us. And I was so glad that you finally were able to meet my husband and we all became best friends. And, um, you know, Nicole and I, we text back and forth every once in a while. We saw, I saw you at a ramp conference another time. So it just feels like family is in the room. Amen, whoever that is. <laughs> um, so we're so honored to be here, and I specifically am so excited to be able to share my heart some in this season when we're talking about worship, all things worship. So um, I, it's funny, as a worship leader, I, I, you know, I speak a good amount, but I usually try to stay away from topics of worship, but sometimes you just gotta talk about it. And, and I believe that we are in a season right now, like I said earlier, where God is really addressing some things in the church overarchingly. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a hard thing. Sometimes it's hard when God begins to realign things. Sometimes it's hard when he begins to point things out that we need to grow in and work on. But thank God he's growing the church. Thank God he's with the church. And thank God he's making us more like him. Amen. So if you can just close your eyes all over this room, I'm gonna pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. And we say, even now, God, would you come and have your way? Even now, God, would you begin to unite uh, unite and ignite the hearts of the people in this room in a fresh way? I decree over your lives that you're gonna be the worshipers that God has called you to be. I decree over your lives that there is a sound being released from this region and not just from this region, but from the people within this church. I decree that you carry a sound that the world needs to hear. I decree that you carry a sound that moves Moves the heart of God. I decree that when you open up your mouth, not just when the worship leader opens up her mouth, not just when a musician begins to play, but when you in the congregation open up your mouth, heaven begins to move. I ask God that we would begin to gain a reality of worship in our hearts, the reality of heaven's opinion and heaven's agenda of worship and, and the role that it was intended to, ha- to play on the earth in this season. And I decree that you are a worshiper in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was praying for you guys and just praying about what to share with you guys. And I wanna share a little bit of my testimony and my journey specifically on worship. Um, I'm a pastor's kid and I didn't rebel. <laughs> Miracle of miracles. So as a pastor's kid, I, uh, I grew up very involved in the local church community. My dad was actively involved in the local church community. And so as a result, I really grew up with a deep love and respect for different denominations. I had the privilege of leading at a Methodist church, Presbyterian, Baptist, Southern Baptist, Pentecostal. I even sang at a Catholic wedding. It was very stressful. <laughs> But I remember seeing the beauty of diversity in the body of Christ, and I absolutely love it. God loves diversity. He loves it. And I believe that when we look at different streams or whatever you'd like to call it, different denominations, there's always something we can learn from each other. 
And I think we've got to approach in a level of humility, our brothers and sisters that don't actually think and look like us and say, I have something to learn from you, amen? So part of this journey, I remember experiencing all of these different type of worship services. And at that time in my life, I didn't really have any, any grid for church politics. So it's, it's pretty crazy. And I didn't ever have a thought of, you know, maybe God isn't pleased with this or God isn't pleased with that, or at least people's opinion that God isn't pleased with something. And I was in the eighth grade one time. I just spent the night at one of my friend's house and a group of us had spent the night and we went to her church the next day and it was this beautiful church. It was probably like a 3,000 member church, maybe 5,000 member church, an incredible cathedral. And they had a massive choir and then they had 12 background vocalists. And I remember thinking, that's what I'm gonna do one day. This is awesome. And I remember we were sitting in the balcony <laughs> along with all of the other cool eighth graders with braces. <laughs> and I was looking at what was going on and I felt the presence of Jesus so strong in the room. And in my mind's eye, I saw like this liquid gold coming into the room and I felt like it was the presence of Jesus. But all of a sudden in my mind's eye, I saw that liquid gold stop coming because of this net that was in the room. And I remember looking around and again, I wasn't trying to be judgmental. I wasn't trying to get you know, into church politics, but I looked around and out of 3000 people, like two thirds of the people were sitting down and no one was raising their hands. And I was just kind of thinking something isn't right with this picture. And I remember looking around and I finally found one person over here raising their hands. And I had this moment. This is my moment to break the fear of man and come against peer pressure. Now, my dad had taught me early on, you know, church etiquette. So it, it, he said, practically in every denomination, you know, lifting your hands, half mass and then full. You can actually raise it, but this is gonna be really radical. If you start dancing, they're gonna think you have a demon and, and they don't believe in deliverance. So you're really in an awkward position. So it was my moment to break the fear of man. And I thought I can at least lift up my hands. And so I was trying to kind of like make eye contact with the only person really far over there who was raising their hands. I was using my force powers. Like you will look at me now. We're in this, we're in this together, right? <laughs> and so finally I lifted up my hands because in that moment, there was something inside of me that said, even if nobody else is giving Jesus what he is worthy of, I need him to know that there's somebody on the earth that recognizes that his presence is here and that he's worthy of praise. And so I remember in that moment, my heart was so grieved and I was trying not to cry and they had the special music. You guys remember that portion of the services back in the day? The special music, because the other worship apparently wasn't special. <laughs> special music. And they had the special music, you know, it's like back in the day, Kathy Tricoli, there is a candle. You guys remember that? Phillips, Craig, and Dean. I was taking a trip on a plane the other day, just ocean. You guys know those Easter sunrise services. I can go there if I need to. He was born of a virgin one holy. So we got to the special music and I just started to cry because I said, something isn't right. 
We were created to encounter God and for God to encounter us, not just in heaven, but on this side of eternity. And for whatever reason, that moment in the eighth grade marked my life forever. And so we fast forward years later, I'm in college, went to this private Christian college, so we had chapel every week. And so we were in the chapel sanctuary, it's all crowded into the pews. And they had, again, an incredible band playing. The music sounded wonderful. And I'm looking around the room and it's almost like we're just a bunch of robots singing. And what I wanted to do again is I wanted to run up and down the aisles and say, do you know that you were created to worship? Do you know that there's a man on the throne named Jesus and he's worthy of everything? Did you know that you were created for radical praise and worship? And again, I was thinking of church etiquette. And so I'm, in, I'm tucked in my little pew, hands raised, leg moving. That's all I got. And so at this point, I started to get frustrated, if I'm honest with you. I thought, I know, I know that I know God loves diversity, but there are some differences that I don't, something doesn't feel good to me on the inside. And so I made a decision right there to do something radical. I threw out my theology concerning praise and worship and I said, I'm not just going to be radical in my worship just because that's the way I was raised. I'm not just going to sing songs just because that's what I'm told to do. I'm not interested in doing a good idea. I'm interested in the God idea. I wanna know what this book has to say about praise and worship. I'm not interested in going through motions that don't work. I'm interested in connecting with the heart of God and what moves Him. I wanna know what God has to say about praise and worship. And so I started this journey because you gotta be honest. There's so much diversity that sometimes you think, where is God in all of it? Have you ever thought that before? Because you've got this side, I call them, I call them the stoic seat warmers. They kind of like cross their arms. You try not to make eye contact with them in a service because the look on their face says, move me if you can. And then anyways, we won't go into that. Then on the other side, all the way over here, I like to call them the crazy charismatics. <laughs> yeah, we are they. These are, these are the ones who you just say the name of Jesus and they start flopping on the floor like a fish. I'll be honest with you, these are the things that I probably, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say in a service. There's, I shouldn't say it, I'm gonna say it anyways. There was a time, one time, I was leading worship, and I just so happened to see there's this person right here on the side. Every time I said the name of Jesus, they started, you know. So it became a game to me. <laughs> what worship leaders are really thinking. So I'm leading worship, and I said, Jesus, and I'm like kind of looking, and he's flopping, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. What we really think. So I made a decision to throw out my theology of praise and worship. And I, and I thought, man, if God has an opinion about the preaching, if God has an opinion about the offering, God must have an opinion. Does he have an opinion about praise and worship? And I remember coming to Deuteronomy 12, verse four, and it was a very simple verse, but the Lord is giving Moses the law. 
you know, about how the Israelites are to be in the promised land. And he says something very simple. This is the Catherine paraphrase, but he says to Moses, when the people of Israel get to the land, the promised land, don't worship me this way. He says, when they get to the land of promise, worship me this way. And I had this moment of thinking, God has an opinion. You mean to tell me very early on, God has an opinion on how we worship. And I'm gonna hit this a little bit, a little bit harder, press it a little bit more because I used to always say, well, you just worship however you feel called to worship. And I honestly think that's entirely true. I believe, again, I love diversity. I believe that there's a unique way that each of us are created to express our love for God on the earth. But what happens when the way you feel like worshiping doesn't actually line up with how he wants to be worshiped. Because we live in such a feelings-driven society that we only love when we feel like loving. We're only kind when we feel like being kind. We only praise when we feel like praising. And I'm here to tell you that according to this word, God is worthy of so much more. And so I always, I asked this question for years, is there a right way or is there a wrong way to worship? Is there a right? And I never felt right about that language because I, I don't think it's a matter of right and wrong. I just, I didn't have any other language for it. And finally the Lord addressed it to me and he said, Catherine, you're right. It's not a matter of right and wrong. When it comes to praise and worship, it's about love. That's it. And I want you to think about this. How many hours and how many times how many times do we go to Barnes and Noble or how much time do we spend discovering how people in our lives wanna be loved? You can agree that in order to have a successful marriage, you've gotta understand, get to know the person well enough to understand how is it that they wanna be loved. Go to Barnes and Noble, they've got an entire section on the five love languages. My poor husband, I'm acts of service. So he's like vacuuming, taking out the trash, dusting. He's like, babes, do you feel loved yet? I'm like, yes, I do. Thank you. But all of those love languages came from the heart of God. And yet when as a body of believers, when as a Christian believer, do we actually take the time to ask God, God, how is it that you want to be loved? The most selfish type of love in a relationship is deciding to love the person how you think they wanna be loved rather than how they actually wanna be loved. And to be very honest, when I look at the American church today, predominantly speaking, we are selfishly loving God how we think he wants to be loved, but we haven't taken the time to know, God, how is it you really wanna be loved? Because when we get beyond our own selfish version of love, it means that we have to take responsibility for our actions, not just Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but when we come together, love looks like something when we're praising. Love looks like something when we're worshiping. You were created to love him. Praise is an act of love. Praise is an act of love. So that's the first point. So to take it a step further, second, two, praise is an act of obedience. Praise is mentioned over 300 times in the Bible. We know that the Bible tells us, Samuel says, obedience is better than? Obedience is better than? Correct. Praise is mentioned over 300 times. Every word for praise in the Bible, every Hebrew word for praise in the Bible, there's seven main words. They're all connected to an action. 
So again, we've got to understand how God wants to be loved. And that means we've got to begin to understand his definition of praise, not our definition of praise. We live in a culture that we think we can just give him our own version, but that's not what it's about. So when we begin to look at this definition, every single word, not just one of them, not just two of them, all of them. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. Praise looks like something. Praise is an action. So that means when you come together, when we come together in a worship set, that means that your praise, people are going to be able to tell whether or not you're praising. Now, worship looks a little bit different, but I'm talking specifically about praise. So that means it's a dance. That means it's a shout. That means it's clapping. That means it's rejoicing. So if you're just standing there, I'm gonna be very honest with you and I'm gonna step on some toes, but I leave tonight, so. (laughs) If you're just standing there, you might be worshiping. If you're just standing there, you might be thinking about all the different things that you've got to do after the service. You might be thinking about the bad week that you had. You might be meditating, but the truth is that's not praise. And I believe that there is a huge portion of the inheritance of the church that we have been missing because we have made the decision to assume what praise is rather than to get a biblical definition of what praise is. Praise moves mountains. Praise moves the heart of God. Praise is the love language of heaven. Praise is what you were created for. And so Psalm 150, David says, David, a man after God's own heart says, let everything that has breath, let everything that has breath. So the word right there, praise, is where we get the word hallelujah from, halal. That's the Hebrew word right there. I'm gonna go a little scholarly on you. It's halal, the Hebrew word. It's the most commonly used word for praise in the Bible. So this is the main one that you and I are gonna connect with overall. And the definition of that praise is to shine, to show, to boast, to rave, to stultify, to be clamorously foolish. So I'm looking overall at the American church. I'm looking at us coming in on a Sunday morning and I don't think it's that people are like mad at God or they have this idea of like, well, I just... I'm not gonna give him what he's worthy of. No, I just don't think we've had this conversation and we've actually talked about the part that you have to play, that we're called to be a kingdom of priests, that we're called to minister to the Lord and actually the fire of God released in you, through you, in worship matters to what is going on in this region. It matters to what is going on in your life. It matters to what is going on in your children's life. Praise looks like something. Praise is an act of obedience. And he says, let everything that has breath. So my question is, are you living? Are you breathing? Are you alive? If you are, he's not just, he's not, he's not talking to the person beside you. He's not talking to just the little kids. He's not talking to the Pentecostal older people who have paved the way for us. He's talking to everyone. You were created to praise. Praise is not about opinion or preference. He outlined it in the Bible, what it looks like. Praise is an act of obedience. Are you guys with me? Can you hang a little bit longer? Okay. So I'm gonna go to, I believe it's 2 Samuel. Yes. Second Samuel 6, verse 12. 
You guys have heard this before, but I'm gonna read it again. Now, King David was told, the Lord is blessed. I think I'm in the the NIV translation. I don't know if you like that or not. We won't get into it. I like different translations, okay? Now, King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and fattened calf. Verse 14, David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with what? All his, all his might. Underline that or write that down. And then it says, while he and what? The entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. When he's talking about this, it wasn't just David that did it. David led the charge. Leaders lead the charge. But it said, while he and the entire house of Israel. If you wanna know what it looks like to usher in the presence of God into a service, we just, get to, we just have to open up our Bibles. And it says, he and the entire house of Israel. And then it goes later on to say that Michael, his wife, was watching from a distance and she despised him in her heart. And I wanna say this, it's very easy to, dis- to despise a move of God that you refuse to be a part of. And I wanna ask you, and I, I understand that this is maybe stepping on some toes, but where we are at in America, where we are at with the climate of the culture, it is time that the Christian church <laughs> We lift up our banner. We raise the standard. We unapologetically live our lives according to the Bible. I'm not interested in a pastor's good idea. I'm interested in getting to know what God has to say and making sure my life lines up with that. That's why I love the pastors here. While he and the entire house of Israel, there's a mandate on your life to move mountains. There's a mandate on your life. When you sing, oh, if you could know how it moves the heart of God. There's a mandate on your life to join with the will of heaven in a worship service. And then wow, suddenly the mayor gets saved. Suddenly the governor gets saved. You begin contending, wow, that lost son or daughter, you're just, you're just singing, you know, um, God come and release your kingdom. God come and save the lost. And you're just, again, changing your posture. And in an instant, those family members that you have been believing God for come home. Oh, the power of a generation of praisers being who they were created to be, worshiping how they were created to worship. It's what you were made for. Praise is an act of love. Praise is an act of obedience. And he calls all of us to it, the entire house of Israel. We make a decision. We're not gonna be a Michael despising the move of God because we don't understand it and we refuse to be a part of it. And I wanna say this very carefully too in the charismatic church. There are some weird people I'm probably one of them. <laughs> and we were actually, Aaron, we were talking, we were talking about this. It can be so easy to judge people and think, man, they're just being prideful. They're just being showy. Leave that up to leadership to handle. Because I can't tell you how many times I thought, man, that person's praise is getting on my nerves. And then I hear their testimony and I think, man, they're just loving much because they've been forgiven much. 
We don't know what people have gone through and God forbid we become the Michael in the group and we don't even realize it, that we're operating in a religious spirit that we didn't even know. So leave it to leadership and you be radical. You be radical. You, you be the one to be the fire starter and set the flame and just don't worry about that person. That's between them, the Lord, and leadership, amen? So next, act of love, praise is an act of obedience. And lastly, praise is an act of power. 2 Corinthians 10, verse three, it's one of my favorite verses. We actually have that on a shirt, product push, out in the front, sweatshirt as well. For a limited time only, the sweatshirts. 2 Corinthians 10, verses three and four, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are, in my, they are mighty in God for the what? Pulling down of strongholds. I don't know why God created it and created the church so that their praise moves mountains. I don't know why he said, you know, when I'm creating the world, I'm going to make it so that when my people need to war, all they need to do is sing a song. And so while the world is in their Facebook wars, while the world is yelling at each other, cussing people out, we get to come together as a body of believers and we just get to lift up the name of Jesus, the majesty of Jesus, and we begin to war, we begin to fight through praise and God begins to war and win. I don't, I don't know, but I do know the victories that I've encountered in my own life because I made a decision regardless of my feelings, regardless of the opinions of the people around me, regardless of whether or not I like the song or not, Jesus is going to find somebody on the earth giving him praise and I've seen what he does in my life when I praise. So let's go to second, I believe it's second Chronicles chapter 20. I'm just gonna paraphrase it. You can just write that down actually. Second Chronicles chapter 20. We know this story again, but I'm gonna break it down again. Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, he receives news that three different armies, talk about a bad day. Three different armies are surrounding him. And his immediate response is, let's gather everyone together and inquire of the Lord. And his, his petition to God is his stance before the Lord is, we don't know what to do. How many have been there before? How many are there? We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And he receives a word from the Lord, from Jehaziel the prophet. And Jehaziel says, go out, march against the enemy because the Lord is going to fight for you. The fact, the reality that you, every person in this room, you have the king of the universe who is perfectly willing perfectly ready to fight for you. There have been situations in my life that I, I have prayed about, I've shouted, I've done everything possible. And until God stepped in to the situation, nothing changed. But the thing is, is we have the winning hand. God is on our side. God is for us. So who can be against us? And so they go out to fight against their enemies people with real weapons, people with real armor. And Jehoshaphat says, I know what I'll do. I'm gonna send the five foot three praisers. 
I am so glad that I live in today's society rather than back then. I'd be like, I don't think I'm called to be a Levite. <laughs> it's debatable, you know. So he sends out the praisers and they begin to sing songs to the Lord. And just as they begin to sing, just like today, just as they begin to sing, the Lord sets ambushes against their enemy. And I believe the reason why Jehoshaphat was so sure of sending the praisers first, first is he understood the prophetic history of the tribe of Judah. In Genesis 49, Jacob prophesies to Judah, which means praise, and he says, Judah, praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemy. So he went out with a prophetic word. And now I believe that prophetic word is stretching through the pages of time. And that prophetic word is now our word. And it's stepping into your situation. And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter what you're going through. There is a sound of praise that is an act of power. And as you begin to lift up your voice, it literally says that your praise is going to be on the hand of the neck of your enemy. So you mean to tell me, I mean, this person, this person has been bugging me. Now, I, obviously I'll say, we're not talking about the death of our enemies. The New Testament version of victory is that, is that the person coming against you gets saved, set free, healed, delivered. That's our vengeance against the devil. That hell is being plundered and heaven is being populated. Amen? But I believe today, especially there's a new season in this church, there's a new sound going forward. And I feel it to the core of who I am that you guys are literally at this shifting point of making a decision to say there is going to be a sound of praise and worship in this room that goes out and breaks strongholds, breaks principalities, breaks powers. And we said it earlier, I, I firmly believe that this has been the attack of the enemy. For so long, the enemy has heard praise that literally wrecks his plans. For thousands of years, for thousands of years, there it is again, the sound of a praising church. Oh, there it is again. I can't stand for whatever reason. I know what comes after the sound of a praising church. There it is again, and he's covering his ears. And so he said, if praise is their victory, then I am going to cover their mouths. If praise is their victory, then I am going to silence their voice. I wasn't talking about masks. We won't go there. You were created to praise. So if I can just go ahead and get the team up here. If you guys can go ahead and stand. Praise is an act of love. We make a decision to do it, not our way, but his way. We've got to get to know him again and get to love him the way he wants to be loved. Praise is an act of obedience and praise is an act of power. Can you just close your eyes all over this room? I'm gonna use praise and worship interchangeably here, but we all know the story of the woman who poured her vial of perfume, her vial of worship at the feet of Jesus. And there was this moment where she just lavishes her love on Jesus and all of the disciples, it shocks me, it was the disciples, the people that were supposed to be close to Jesus who stood there judging her radical worship. 
And so they're judging and they're saying, you know, we could have given this to the poor and they're just kind of running their mouths. And Jesus finally says, you leave her alone. She's actually anointing me for my day of burial. And wherever the gospel is preached, the world will know what she did for me. Radical worship. And so this is just the Catherine idea. I don't know if this actually happened, but go with me there, keeping your eyes closed. So the timeline of, of the perfume being poured out on the feet of Jesus was just a few days before his burial, a few days before he died on the cross. And scientists say that the perfume was so rich and so concentrated that it would have stayed on Jesus for up to two weeks. The smell would have stayed on Jesus. So this act of radical, extravagant worship followed Jesus in the streets, wherever he went. And it would have soaked into his feet and just, it would have just been coming out of his pores. So he gets to the point, the son of God, the lamb of God is dying on the cross. And I can just imagine at the hardest moment of his life, he's just struggling to get a breath, thinking I can't go on, I can't do this, it's too hard. It's the point where he says, God, why have you forsaken me? And he's trying to get a perspective so that he can make it through the act of dying on the cross. And he comes to this point where he, he's just striving to get that last breath and he finally gets his lungs to take in a bit of air. And at that moment, he smells the worship. He smells radical worship from a few days earlier. And he has this moment in his mind where he says, I can die for that. I can do that. Because of her act of radical worship, I don't know why God made it that your praise and worship moves his heart. I don't know. But I do know this, and I know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. You wanna know why I'm okay getting sweaty on stage and being radical when maybe other people aren't. It's because I know for whatever reason that praise and worship moves the heart of God. And as, lo as long, God willing, as I'm on this earth, my expression of praise and worship to the best of my ability, I'm gonna get to know Him and love Him truly the way that He wants to be loved. And I want you to understand, it doesn't matter if you can sing or not. It doesn't matter if you have rhythm or not. It, does ma it doesn't matter if you can dance or not. You were created to move his heart through radical worship. And it's the mandate of the, on the life of the believer. Not only that, I believe it is the weapon of choice in this season. I believe it is the weapon of choice that God is calling his believers, his church to in this season to raise a banner of praise. It says, that, it says in Isaiah that God wars on the heights of Zion meaning we praise and literally God wars on top of your praise. You praise, strongholds are broken. You praise, mountains are moved. You praise, the dead are raised. You praise, the sick are healed. And it's not because of what you do, it's because of what He does. And so if you just wanna commit to saying, okay, I'm okay being radical, 
I'm okay being uncomfortable. I'm okay being clamorously foolish, looking like a fool. And I wanna commit myself to being radical. And this is not just a one-time thing. This is a, I'm making a decision to change the culture in my church. I'm making a decision to be the fire starter in my church. I'm making a decision to not rely on leadership to have to push me to give Jesus what he's worthy of, but I'm going to be the fire starter. I am gonna be the one that stokes the flame, fans the flame for radical praise and worship when I come. And I'm gonna give him what he is worthy of regardless of how I feel. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand all over this room. Only do it if you mean it. God, I thank you for the fire starters in this church. I thank you for the radical praisers. And I declare over them that there is a song and a sound rising like never before on the inside. And I declare that your praise is gonna be heard even when you don't feel like it. That your praise is gonna be seen even when you're not in the mood for that. Your praise is going to be part of who you are. And as you praise, principalities and powers will have to bow their knee to the authority of Jesus. And you can put your hands down. I just wanna say this. A lot of times people say, well, I don't wanna be fake. Has anybody thought that? I've totally thought that before. I don't, want, I don't want to be fake, you know? There will never be a time in our lives, whether good or bad, that God isn't worthy of praise. You can be at the darkest place, the most compromised place, and it says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that He is Lord. There is never a time where God is not worthy of all of your praise. Praise is always a good idea. And I've had people say, well, you know, I've, I, I don't wanna do it out of the, right, or the wrong heart. You know, I don't wanna do it because I don't wanna be prideful. And I just wanna say, well, repent of pride if you're being prideful, but don't stop doing the right thing. Don't stop doing, the right thing is praise. That would, like, that would be like me saying, I don't feel like being kind, so I'm just not gonna be kind. No, you command, David said, bless the Lord, oh my soul. He commanded his soul to do the right thing, to praise. Even when we don't feel like it, and I'm telling you, I have seen this, and I feel like you guys are at such a good place because you're already praisers in this room. And I feel like it's just God taking you guys to the next level. But I'm seeing the fire of praise awakened in the church right now. And I firmly believe that if we can get our act together, and I believe we are getting our act together, that this is the church's finest hour. This is the church. God is still planning on using the church in America. Amen. So just as we end, I'm gonna hand this over to you guys. Can we just one more time, unashamedly, unapologetically, give Jesus a shout of praise? One, two, three, go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just a little while longer. We'd love to do this one thing. So just stretch your hands out to the ministry team today and Catherine and David and the others. So we got Atlanta represented, the, the Atlanta area, South Atlanta. We've got Columbus and Detroit. Yeah. 
So let's pray blessing on them. And Lord, we just thank you for the seed sown into us this weekend. Lord, we thank you. We just pray just blessings and increase and favor over them. Open heavens. Open heavens in Jesus' name. Everything they put their hand to is blessed, Lord. In the city, in the country, God. That they are the, the lenders, not the borrowers. Or the head and not the tail, God. We thank you for what they deposited here this weekend in our worship, in our praise, and in our culture, God. And in our region, Jesus. And we thank you. And we pray that this multiplies, but, but that you increase in them tenfold, a hundredfold of what they poured out into us this weekend. So we thank you for them, their lives, their families, their homes, their marriages, and their future marriages and children and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. So we, we never like to end a week. If you need prayer, if you don't know Jesus is Messiah, uh, if you need prayer in your body, healing, if you're going through a hard time, we got a prayer team that'll come up and they would love to spend a moment with you and pray for you and maybe even today lead you into the greatest relationship on this planet that you can praise the highest king on this planet. Yeah. So uh, otherwise you're dismissed. We love you. Oh. Thank you, Catherine, David, and team. I forgot about product. Oh, yeah, yeah, product. Sorry, we do have some um, shirts. Sorry, just really quick. I felt like a long time ago, there were all these negative things being said over the generations. And I thought, well, I'm gonna make shirts that are that are biblical, positive, prophetic sayings, prayerfully in Jesus' name. So we have those out there, this shirt, anxious for nothing, amen. We, uh, we made this right before COVID hit. So we're like, wow. And um, anyways, there's some other ones. My praise is a weapon. We've got some shirts out there. So I love you guys so very much. They're super cool, but it's really inconvenient for them to fly back with more luggage and stuff. Buy it all. All right, love you guys.